1: This week on the Legion... Club, Oops, sorry. This week on the Legion Clubhouse, Superboy returns! Sales must be slipping.
0: Legion of Superheroes number 280. Call me back yesterday! Published October 1981. Written by Roy Thomas with art by Jimmy James. Synopsis. The Legion is trapped in the past.
1: I think we need to figure out this whole uh reflecto saga thing mm-hmm. pretty quick. And I'm hoping that this issue, Matthew, will solve it for us. Because last time on, on the critical- show, oh, sorry. we sorry. discovered that Reflecto was actually a uh, Superboy in Disguise, who, you know, uh, hate to break it to you, artist of this issue. Uh he's super boy, not super man. Um <laughs> But apparently he's dead. Superboy is dead. And now nobody has any answers to what's going on, except wait, wait. Superboy is not dead. He was able to wake up.
2: Yeah. Um, here's the thing. I feel like I, there, there's there's an issue in this story that I like to call Roy Thomas Decompression Syndrome, which... In a lot of ways, is sort of a precursor of the Brian Michael Bendis decompression syndrome, where you get to a point in that very first page, the big splash page is like, oh my God, Superboy is really reflecto and Ultra Boy is dead. Mm-hmm. And then, because there are so many players, we literally get six pages of people talking and arguing and back and forthing before the Legion decides to actually act. On the fact that, you know, the greatest hero in the world is here and he's got no memory and something's really wrong. And Superman with, you know, some sort of psychological problems is dangerous.
1: I'll be um, honest. I thought the first couple of pages of this issue, barring the flashback bit, Mm -hmm. I thought that there was some high drama in there. People were really showing some emotions in Mm -hmm. this, in this issue, which I really like because a lot of times we don't get long conversations. We don't get long talky bits. But mm-hmm. again, we get um uh Phantom Girl who is very upset and mm-hmm. displaying some emotion, that's true, but everybody is is offering up some information, and I just really like the fact that there was some some high drama in here, especially when Superboy wakes up and he goes, No, I, I, I'm i not Superboy, I'm I'm ultra Boy, and they're like, No, this can't be <laughs> true. And drunk. and then Monel was like, if you're truly uh Uh, Superboy, you should be able to come at me and knock me down, but of course you can't if you're Ultra Boy because you wouldn't be able to. And Superman, you know, punches him across the room. And Monnel's like, I I don't know what happened. Maybe he (laughs) is uh, Superboy in Ultra Boy's uh, mind. Who knows what is going on? It's all kinds of of craziness that that's going on as the team tries to figure out exactly who this person
2: is. And the two, my two favorite moments in the issue are actually a part of that sequence where we see element lad throw a snowball in grimbor's face so yes. that he can turn it to gold and shut him up which first of all i'm pretty sure that would you know whatever's going on there grimbor just died and I... that page 3 where jimmy janes does the chains
1: yeah the the flashback as the yeah. page
2: borders Yeah, that, that is golden. That is really, really creative and really, really well done. I mean, it's what
1: team, what team was element lad with? Because it seems like if element lad was with the team that went to take down Grimbor's castle, that he Mm could have just turned that whole thing into vapor and (laughs) we could have been out of there. I'm pretty
2: sure element lad was in space. Oh, okay. Sun boy. Okay, So they they arrived back on Earth to save the day just in time.
1: (laughs) The team decides to fly back to Legion headquarters to Mm -hmm. figure out what's going on. But before they do, they decide to burn Grimbor's castle to the ground uh, (laughs) in a firing, heaping mess as they fly away. And for whatever reason, Colossal Boy decides that he needs to fly in Colossal Boy form instead of uh, regular sized form. Way to go, Jim. He's he's not uh, overcompensating for anything. At all. That does bring up a question, though, because we've recently
2: run into the discovery that Block requires three flight rings to fly. Yeah, Because of his density, Colossal Boy is easily twice Block's size here, but seemingly fly comfortably at full height. Does his power to expand his clothing also expand his flight ring and its capacities?
1: Uh, It might. I mean, the flight ring is bigger. So, you know, you would think that it would also have the power up as well. Uh, It's either Mm -hmm. that or that block is like super dense material, like one of the densest materials Mm -hmm. in the universe, which then again, even if you quadrupled uh, Colossal Boy's gym size, uh, he would still probably weigh a lot less than block. Although you would think that. Uh, if the ground can support block, then Colossal boy should be able to pick up block. I don't know. It's confusing. And this is all hand waving kind of stuff that they, they want you to do. So if we go much uh, further, we're going to get to
2: the square cube law and we're going to start talking about how Jim's powers are literally impossible. So
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but
2: it's a good looking shot again, you know, flying away from the burning castle with like 10
1: Legionnaires looks really great. I guess, except for we're burning this thing to the ground, which, you know, they kind of told you they were going to do in, in the title of the last uh, issue. Uh, you know, Grimbor Castle must must uh, fall. So right. yeah, they they followed through on their promise and they all make it back to Metropolis, at which point uh, Karate Kid and uh, Lame Legionnaire uh, uh, Princess Projectra get reunited. Excuse me. No, that's Princess Projectra. Lame Legionnaire is a different yes, guy. He I'm died. sorry. Lame LeMay. Uh, la princess may projected, projected la yes. giornale,
2: ma la may. great.
1: Yeah. Jim, meanwhile, gets to reconcile with his mom, uh, mom president, president and mom, and wildfire is just like, Enough with all this mush. The little rascals used to say that stuff back in the 1930s, <laughs> and it's still popular today. But you know what's great about that <laughs> thing? It's that you can tell that old people are writing comics because they yeah. use stuff well, like mush. Although, to be fair, for those of you, I mean. Again, I get the feeling because most of you have not written in podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I think most mm-hmm. of you who are listening to the Legion Clubhouse and all of the other great Legion podcasts uh, that are out there, um, you probably are old enough to remember Little Rascal reruns <laughs> growing up. So the ol- all this mush stuff and the He-Man Woman Haters Club, all that stuff right. is probably uh, still very relevant to you. But man, if you are like under 40... Mush stuff. <laughs> what does that mean? We're eating oatmeal. I don't, I don't understand. No little rascals. And, you know, it used to be a common phrase to say mush was like love stuff. And, Oh, I don't right. want to get into all this mushy stuff. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. And I, then, and then block, I, uh, throws down some, uh, some psychology yes. on, on good old wildfire. Some quiet wisdom. I really enjoy Thomas's
2: block because wildfire has long been the guy who shoots off his mouth. And block is like, I see. Your envy of their happiness drives you to utterly rash remarks. Because that's how Block talks.
1: Block I don't know. I th- I think is. he probably probably he talks a lot more like um, Lieutenant Worf on Star Trek. <laughs> that that would be my guess. Does does he add an H to weapons every time he says weapons? I I don't think Block would say that. But uh, I forget Worf what the, does. The, the 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 actor's name. I forget what his what his Michael name Dorn. is. But Michael Dorn. That's right. I yeah, would Michael imagine that that's how it says sounds right. weapons oh, weapons
2: okay. are prepared captain It's a thing. Okay. I used to have to watch it for you know work purposes so
1: so the the plan is that Saturn Girl is going to tap into superboy's mind to find out what's really going on mm-hmm. and they kind of figure out that well, it is Superboy, but there seems to be some ultra boy memories in there. I guess the only way to get to the bottom of this uh Problem is for all of us to try time travel or some of us to time travel back to the past to find out what is actually going on. So, you know, let's bring in everybody like Karate Kid. Yeah, he'd fit right in. Let's bring in sure. Saturn Girl. Yeah, she'll fit yeah, right in. I, I, the president of the Legion, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Lightning Lad, I will also go in, go, I'll mm-hmm. fit in. And, oh, let's sure. also just uh, pick Dawnstar, the, the, the crazy lady with the giant wings, and let's uh-huh. bring on Block, you know, this horrifying creature that the instant you're going to appear, people are going to start screaming and throwing things. So, yeah, this makes perfect sense. Let's all go back to the past. Meanwhile, he actually that, explicitly says, you guys have never been
2: to the 20th century. Yeah,
1: but this is not the time to do that. I mean, if you want to go on a sightseeing yeah. trip, go on a sightseeing trip. But not in the middle of a mission where you're trying to figure out: is this Superboy? Is this Ultra Boy? Is this Reflecto? Who is this person?
2: Right. And you know the thing that's really great about that that particular moment is he says it at a point where it's kind of a throwaway, and then immediately Phantom Girl shows up and says, "I'm going with you." Yeah. And he says, "Yes, I know. It just had to be your decision." And it's a great leadership moment mm-hmm, where she mm-hmm. he lets her make that decision. But then he also has that stupid, we're going to take block because totally, totally, it'll be great in 1960. Yeah, remember remember Smallville. that time
1: we tried to get to Shadow Last to come into the past with us, and we had to do that whole passing for a white thing? Yeah, it'll Oof. be just like that, but only with a giant yeah. rock man. A teenage rock man. Teenage, teenage rock, rock man. So here, there's a couple of, there's one other thing before we get into the uh, to the next little bit that I find mm. very fascinating, and this is something that Sometimes it works really well in comics, and sometimes it doesn't work at all in comics. Mm-hmm. At one point, they're talking about, remember months ago when uh, I implanted that hypno hypnotic memory thing in Superboy's brain so he would never travel to the future? Uh, yes. That's really an interesting timestamp moment, because if they talk about months ago... And I don't know mm-hmm. when people say months ago, usually I think that's less than a year. So we're talking anywhere from, you know, six to 11 months, uh, or right. maybe even less than that. So that's when Sattergirl girl brings it up. And that's kind of a, a timestamp moment to let readers know that even though the story that that happened in that issue that mm-hmm. they sent Superboy back home was 21 months, or almost two years ago. hmm For Legion time and for comic book reading time, it's just, you know, a couple of months. It's, it's a very short thing. And that gets into this whole uh, greater discussion of, you know, when you read an arc of a comic book for us, it may take six months for the people that are adventuring in the thing. Uh, it may only be a couple of hours, a couple of days in this case, I don't think we've even gotten past a full 24 hours since this adventure started and it's already been three or four months into the story. So uh, it's interesting when that happens because you'll have like, for example, a, a, detective comic story where it's in the middle of a blazing Gotham summer and it's so hot and Batman's sweating and he's got to take on KGB beast, KGB beast. Uh, and then that runs for like six, uh, issues. It's the middle of summer. And then the very next issue after that, it's Christmas time in Gotham city <laughs> and the Riddler is up to something funny. And so I always find that that kind of stuff is is funny when you think about uh, comics yeah. and how they're told through time.
2: You kind of have to take some of that as, you know, what, what they refer to in the old days in the Marvel and DC indexes as topical references. Yeah. Because if you actually went through and counted how many Christmases Peter Parker has celebrated since he got superpowers at the age of 16, right. it's
1: right, right.
2: like 70 years. Yeah. And so, you know, well, in in real time, it's been 60 or 70, but you have to ask yourself, you know, is that something that's just there for flavor? And in a lot of ways, I I feel like it kind of is.
1: So, and that's, that's the weird part of storytelling, right? Because on the one hand, you're trying to tell stories in some kind of a continuity and some kind of linear fashion where, like I said, it's probably been maybe 48 hours uh, since this story started by the time Mm -hmm. they decide to travel back into the past which is totally fine. But then, you know, from the release schedule, it's been four months, but then from the writing standpoint or from the editorial standpoint, it's like, Hey, uh, uh, Roy, it's Christmas time. We need to get a Christmas issue ready to go so that Mm -hmm. it's topical to readers on the stands, even though that may mean that you're going to have to take a six month or an eight month jump in comic book time just to Mm -hmm. get to that point. And I think that's always fascinating when those things happen. I think that KG beast uh, example that I gave in my mind, as I remember it way back in the, in the early eighties, that's exactly what happened. There was this long, sweaty, you know, six month Batman issue that took place at the height of summer. And then the very next one after that arc concluded was (laughs) it's Christmas time and it's winter. And it's like, sure, this came out in November, uh, you know, but realistically, unless Batman took some time off, crime never sleeps. Uh, it should still be like the middle of summer, so I, I well, just find those things very interesting. Yeah, you and have it's, to count
2: those jumps too, where you know these are these are the holes yeah, where yeah. stories that we don't know about could have happened, right? And
1: that's where you get those stupid dot one uh, issues that Marvel is so keen on. On our oh, don't even get me started. I hate those the so stories much. between the issues. Uh, I'll put a story between your never mind. I will say though that the recent Beyond in between issues that Marvel Mm -hmm. has been doing. And again, hello, future people. It is now 2022. Uh, I actually like how they're doing those beyond issues and how they fit within the regular Spider-Man, uh, series release. Those work out in my mind really well, except that you have to know that when it says 89 B E Y, it means, Oh, this is a beyond issue and not amazing Spider-Man 89. So there you go with that. Uh, but, but yeah. I, you know, that's, that's this weird thing between comic book, uh, linear storytelling and editorial, uh, mandates for releases that I always find very fascinating. The other thing mm-hmm. that's really fascinating about this issue, Matthew, is mm-hmm. one of the greatest heroes of all time appears in this issue. And I'm not talking about Superboy cause he already was here a, a, an issue ago, but we Batman, already talked about block Batman block makes an appearance in this issue. It's only for three panels and we don't get to see his face, but everybody knows that it's Batman. It's actually Batman's shadow. Thank you. I know you. it's the, the shadow, shadow
2: of the bat. bat. Yeah, yeah.
1: Which is setting up for something weird. But we'll yeah. find out in just a moment. But before that happens, the team uh, travels back in time, and their time bubble in is the disturbed. Biggest time bubble I've ever seen. I think it grows depending
2: on the needs of the team. There's like nine people in it, and three of them are blocked. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it is a huge time bubble. This is clearly, you know, you have the Escalade time bubble and mm-hmm. then you have the Escort time bubble. So I think that this is probably their big, you know, luxury stretch time bubble is what it is.
1: Yeah. Uh, so then we get to page 14 and they, they come back to Superboy's timeline right in the middle of a, of a nuclear explosion. And I got to oh tell you, God. ladies and gentlemen... There's nothing like reading a comic book about nuclear destruction in March of 2022. Again, hello, future people, if you still exist. We hope. Yeah. Oh, God.
2: I remember the first time I read this, we materialized in a nuclear explosion. Uh huh. I think I was 16 or 17. I had just bought this issue, a back issue at uh, Pat's Book Nook in Salina, Kansas. And I remember reading this and going, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen in comics. And yeah, forty years down the line, that's no longer the stupidest thing. It's definitely a top twenty-five moment, I feel. But I don't know if it's
1: a, like a I don't know if it's a stupid thing. thing. I mean, it's certainly a way to disrupt the timeline. It's certainly a MacGuffin to get people in. It is nineteen eighty-one. Honestly, we are in I mean Yes, people will talk about the Cuban Missile Crisis and the brink of how we almost went to war until Khrushchev uh, stepped back and, mm-hmm. uh, and, t- and everybody calmed the heck down. But uh, in 1981, uh, if you want to know why Gen Xers really don't care about anything, it's because we grew up in the 80s where any second the nukes were going to fall, Reagan and uh, Gorbachev were going to go... Uh, wait, who was before Gorbachev? Uh, uh, Andropov. Yeah. Yeah. So those guys were just going to launch the nukes and these weren't just low yield nukes. Like they, they used in world war two. Uh, these were, you know, multi-headed nukes that are going to just wipe out and destroy everything. So growing up as a kid in the 1980s, it was, yeah, nothing matters. We're all going to die anyway. And so yeah. to to include a nuclear blast in this issue seems rather fitting for both the 1950s in which this story takes place, but also the 1980s in which, uh, this issue was released and also uh, for 2022 for those of us who are once again reliving our 1980 uh, <sighs> nightmares. So there you go.
2: They made us watch the day after when we were seven and we never I know, right? ever recovered.
1: That didn't come out when we were seven. That came out in like I think we were probably 10, 11, 12, yeah. uh, somewhere around there. So <laughs> turns and out, then, yeah, go ahead.
2: Superboy is like, wait. I'll go to the army and tell them that everything is okay. They'll see Superboy and they'll sure to be <laughs>
1: Yeah, the military attacked Superboy just, because uh just moments fire. ago. Yeah, just moments ago before the bomb went off, Superboy flew in and dug up the underground nuke that they were going to test and then disappeared just as it was about to explode and then he showed back up uh right as the explosion was going on. So in that fraction of a second there's something going on in the past where Superboy has stolen a nuke and blown it up. And now the Legion of Superheroes is fighting the army n- and puts them on the top of the most wanted list.
2: Yeah. J Edgar Hoover now has Phantom Girl on his wall. And I got to tell you, I, I'm never comfortable with superheroes versus, you know, military types, unless it's a Hulk story where, oh yeah, unless you know, it's, it's the bad guys,
1: right? Right. I mean, it's, it's fine if if Superman wants to go punch Russians in the face. Who cares about that?
2: (laughs) You know, in, uh, the Superman movie where Larry Hagman got punched in the face that, you know, that upset me, but seeing these five or six Legionnaires just make absolutely nothing of the finest warriors that 1961 has to offer. It's just a moment where you're kind of like, you know, I feel like they just, they wanted an action sequence here. Mm -hmm. And so. Karate kid is kicking people right in the face. Uh, and then
1: the time star is, Don star is flying between the bullets. Her navigational skills will allow her to dodge every bullet. <laughs> and then they all decide to uh, fly to Smallville finally and check out black and white TV, which they all think is very quaint until yep. uh, the time bubble decides it's going to crack and explode. And Superboy has to hurl it into space because reasons i don't know i don't know if it has you know that it's not really explained here except maybe it was when they were traveling the through time the time stream trapper. and then and the nuke went off but yes it is most definitely the time trapper whose uh uh cloak showed up earlier in the issue kind of like batman mm-hmm. shadow time trappers cloak also uh for no apparent reason chameleon boy brings up rj brand so you know all these things are going my to,
2: father rj uh, brand
1: yes, yes. <laughs> yeah chameleon boy
2: is a 30th century version of uh megan mccain cannot have a discussion without talking about his famous father
1: yeah 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 anyway so um <laughs> time trapper yeah and they're all stuck and in the past not the first makes... time not the first time nor the last time that uh the legion will use their time bubble to travel back into the past only to be trapped there
2: Forward into the past is really like every third Legion issue. But Time Trapper here, uh, as we recall, uh, I think the last time we saw him, he was, quote unquote, revealed to be a renegade controller. Right. Um, But here he like sort of leans into it. We can almost see inside his suit because, you know, now we've seen his face. Mm -hmm. So there's like little facial features in there. And he doesn't look like the Time Trapper to me. But then I also look at the thing and I'm like, uh, okay, because he looks better. Uh, Again, I really enjoy the the combination of Jimmy Janes with the uh, inking here, whose uh, name escapes me. But I'll probably end this sentence abruptly when I remember that it's Bruce Patterson. (gasps) Okay. Sorry. Had to do that.
1: (laughs) So the weird thing is that Mm -hmm. the issue just ends with them trapped in the past. Mm -hmm. in order to get this maybe figured out we either have to wait for the next issue or check this out if we want to know what Batman has been doing in the future Mm -hmm. on stands right now kids we need to go and check out uh, The Brave and the Bold starring Batman and the Legion of Superheroes on sale now it's a crossover comic it's only 60 cents go check Mm -hmm. it out we'll be right back
0: If you enjoy the show, we would appreciate your support. You can find out more and become a Legion Clubhouse member at patreon.com slash major spoilers.
1: There's an, there's an interesting bit if you go into the Legion outpost that Mike oh. W. Barr, who's the editor at, uh, at uh, DC or uh, of the Legion at this point. He right in the top, he says, hey, dear Legion lovers, regarding the price you had to pay for this DC comic, I've got good news and bad news. First, the bad news. Yet again, the pressures of inflation. Hello, 2022. uh, The pressures of inflation have forced us to raise our prices from 50 cents to 60 cents. Now the good news. We've added two more story pages to our books, giving every DC comic a total of 27 pages, except for our dollar comics, Natch. A quick check Mm -hmm. of your pocket calculations. Or I'm sorry, a quick check of your pocket calculators will confirm that this is a full six pages more than our competitors, making it a better buy per page, even at a higher price. And it won't be long before the guys across the street are forced to raise their prices, making us an even better value. Unless, of course, they also increase their page count. That's editorialized (laughs) by me, not by Mike W. Barr. Uh, And you can um, just imagine how excited the D.C. writers and artists are knowing they have even more pages you must be, uh, you must imagine how excited the DC writers and artists are knowing that they have to work extra for no extra money. <laughs> Mike W. Barr, editor. Uh, no, um, but they have even more pages to weave their own special brand of wonderment. Pick up one of the new DCs, we're pretty sure you'll be excited too. So yep. th- that I found very interesting. And if you go into the mailbag of Brave and the Bold, It's not from Mm -hmm. Mike W. Barr, but um, it's from whoever wrote this, uh, whoever the editor is, uh, Brave and the Bold, who says, Dear Reader, may we uh, take just a moment to say thank you for purchasing this magazine? Yes, you have noticed that our economic conditions necessitated a slight adjustment in our package. Yet, note also that we're still offering the best deal in the industry, about 2.2 cents per page for the highest quality and quantity possible. Then, too, the line of superstars featuring the most well-known titles, the most respected array of talent, and the widest variety of material available are right there for you. But you already knew that, right? Good. (laughs) The
2: interesting thing is that that's Dick Giordano, who is not just at this point the editor of Brave and the Bold, but the EIC, the editor-in-chief at DC. Mm -hmm. So probably he was a key part of the decision to make the change which to me kind of might explain the difference in tone between what he has to say and what Barr has to say. But I love the fact that after talking about how excited everybody is to have extra pages, Legion 280 actually ends with a two-page, a two-page splash of the Legion in action because the story was clearly written at 25 pages.
1: Yeah. And, and it- I do really like that that splash page that's in there. Of course, they had it to put pretty, in the Legion of Superheroes, but of course you knew that. Um, but right. it's a pretty cool splash page that, if it is in the middle of the book, uh, don't tear up your comics, kids. But yeah. uh, would certainly have made it onto the cover of Somebody's Trapper Keeper back in 1981.
2: Oh. Yeah, and it's also, you know, even though this issue claims the entire roster of the Legion, it's the only place that you actually see Dream Girl in the I whole mean, book. They're not lying. Well, I'm, I'm not saying they are. I'm just like, <laughs> stop it, you yeah. rude yeah. engineer people.
0: The Brave and the Bold, number 179. Time bomb with a thousand year fuse. Published October 1981. Written by Martin Pasco with art by Ernie Colon and Mike DiCarlo. Synopsis, even the Legionnaires know everything's better with Batman.
1: Okay. All right, here we go. It's the moment we've been waiting for. Bat. Uh, first of all, we had Superman come into the Legion of Superheroes, so that must mean sales are slipping for Legion of Superheroes. Now we have <laughs> Batman. Now we have Batman teaming up with the Legion of Superheroes, so therefore, yes, Batman makes everything better. Therefore, the Legion of Superhero sales are just going to soar, soar, soar to the greatest heights they've ever been. Sale. Oh, wait. We're charging 60 cents and kids are not going to be able to buy two comics now. They're going to have to decide. Oh, boy. This better be a good comic. (sighs) You
2: know... The
1: appearance of the Legion
2: in Brave and the Bold is not Batman trying to pump up the Legion. I mean, it's the yes, Legion because trying to pump no, up Batman in the
1: Brave and the Bold, Brave and the Bold, people are picking this up every month and reading it. And now here, they're like, well, uh, Legion sales are starting to slump. We better put Legion in this book so that people will go, oh, there's a Legion thing and oh, there's a tie in thing. We better go and see what this is all about. So. Anyway. It was DC's top seller in 1981. Whatever, whatever. Batman's always Batman has always been the greatest seller at DC Comics. Everyone knows that. Just ask anyone on the internet today. Just go on Twitter right now and say Batman has always been the biggest seller at DC Comics, and everyone will agree with you. Just do it. Do it, you listeners. Know what? Do it. Do it. You and See what, what happens.
2: I remember <laughs> what happened before this episode, and it wasn't but 15 or 20 episodes ago that we were explaining how they almost canceled
1: Detective Comics. Well, that was Detective Comics. That's not the Brave and the Bold. That's not Batman. That's a Batman book. Detective Comics is a Batman book. It's a detective book. It's actually a Batman family book. Um, so anyway, in this, in this story, time bomb with a thousand year fuse. So in the present (laughs) of 1981, Batman is trying to stop a crime where there is this atomic, uh, this egg that they're going to make a time capsule out of and bury for a thousand years at the Gotham, um, Carnival show place, whatever it is. Meanwhile, but the Gotheteria, yes, in the Gotheteria where all the Goths hang out and the exactly. Visigoths too, yes. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, a thousand years and in the, the future, is there is an egg shaped device that contains antimatter that is going to hatch in a thousand years from the time of the Legion, and when it hatches, all that antimatter is going to explode, and of course, matter and antimatter can't mix, uh, right. and so it's going to be a big deal. Meanwhile. Uh, one of the rejects from He-Man and the Masters of the Universe shows up to steal <laughs> Hatchet Face. Hatchet Man. Manny Manny Blades, I think is his name. <laughs> Blady faces. Yeah, Blady Faces. <laughs> uh, cuts like a knife. I don't it know. Does. It does. Anyway, like, crap. Anyway, uh, Manny Blades comes in and he steals this egg mm-hmm. from the From the time of the Legion of Superheroes. And then he travels back into the past. Using this hypno, hypno rays and other technologies. And he breaks into the uh, vault where they're keeping the time capsule. Of course, Batman thinks he's there to steal the time capsule. I don't know why anybody wants, you know, a newspaper from 1981. I don't know why that's going to be valuable. Uh, At some point they do mention though, that the components in the time capsule are worth like $5 million. In present day, <laughs> in 1981 uh, dollars. Oh. So, you know, accounting for inflation, that's like six billion dollars today. <laughs> is uh, it? I don't know. I didn't go over to the adjustment inflation calculator, but, you know, it is March 2022, so I could be right on. Or actually, I could be way low. Um. Anyway, Batman thinks that he's stealing the time <laughs> capsule. Way to go, Batman. You're a great detective. And jumps him just as the return to home button is pressed. And so Batman winds up in the future. And of course, the, the only, future. the only thing that he can think of doing is, um, going to the Legion headquarters. Cause he knows all about the Legion at this point, living That's in 1981. He, he knows all about the Legion from the year 3000. You may remember. This not is not the first time ago, This is not the first Batman, time Batman. This is not the yep. first time nor the last time Batman will travel to the future.
2: Well, and Batman just interacted with the Legion when they were fighting mm-hmm. Mordru in mm-hmm. uh, JLA number 147 and
1: 148. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like, hey, Batman. Yep. And then we get uh, introduced to Eclipso. Eclipso shows up. <laughs> Eclipso? Universal? Yeah. No, no. Eclipso. Evo? No, remember, Eclipso. Eclipso is this guy that has this diamond. That uh, half of his face is one color and half of his face is the other color. And he has the power to control people with his mind. No. And, and when I look at the pages here, I see a guy who has uh, one half of his face is one color. The other half of his face is another color. He has some kind of a device that he, he holds up and he's able to control people's mind, especially his son, Ron Vidar. The greatest of all the, the Darth Vidars. <laughs> no. You're
2: no? getting your O's confused. It is Universo.
1: Oh, Universal. Universo. I I thought it was Eclipso because he also has pointy ears. I was wondering right. why he didn't have his his pointy cap like Eclipso wears. But he is wearing a this is Universo. Green
2: costume like Eclipso Yeah,
1: wears. see it's easily easily confused. Easily confused. Yeah, the thing that see, was getting me he... really messed up was the fact that I know that Eclipso is not Ron Vidar's father. So there you no, go. No,
2: Eclipso is Ron Vidar's third cousin. On his mother's side.
1: Anyway, <laughs> Universo and uh, Manny Blades have uh, teamed Hashed up. Face. Yeah. Whatever this guy's name is. He uh, literally never up. gets
2: a code name. He he's doesn't. Like Dr. Anton spank monkey or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's,
1: it's got a, he's got a really dumb name to be honest with you. Yeah. But somehow, uh, U- 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 Universo has brainwashed his son to send a couple of Legion members back in time, which happens so fast that if you're reading this whole wall of text that's on page 14 of this issue, you might miss the fact that that Ron is sending the Legion members away. It's just like this yes. really kind of off, you know, it's like, uh, universo is monologuing and then all of a sudden you see a flash and you see two of the Legion members doing a disco dance. And then you're like, okay, <laughs> they're doing a disco dance. I, okay, we'll just, we'll just move on. <laughs> and then it's only later that you find out that Ron Vidar uh, has been uh, secretly uh, been a member of the hair club for men. And he's got a <laughs> shiny chrome plate under his dome and he's been wearing a toupee this entire time. <sighs> I'm so tired. How are you? I, I just need a nap. I, that's that's kind of how I felt like after reading this <laughs> issue, there's this just is so much. Ma- and then Eclipso comes back. Eclipso takes over Universo's body a couple of pages later. Cause once again, half of his face is a colored one color and the other half of his face is normal color. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if they're trying to tease an Eclipso event coming up because the Eclipso event at DC wouldn't come about until what? 1993 or something, something like that. Yeah. Ninety- I mean, yeah, it's, so. it's a wave. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's it's not a clip, so it really is I just, a, I think, an example just, of parallel I'm just joshing with but... you, dear
1: listener. You know, we live in dark times. I'm just trying to bring a little light and levity to this, kind of like Batman does no, when he shows up at the Legion see. headquarters, and, and everybody is sitting around going... Tell us, old man, of the days of the past. They're just like staring at him in awe and wonder as he sits right? in this like throne chair lecturing these kids and they're all on their their knees and looking up at him in admiration. It's, it's straight out of Logan's run when uh, all the young <laughs> show up and the old man is there and, they're, and he's talking to them and they're like, oh, tell us, Wizened One, what of the past?
2: In my day, we all wore capes. Projectra, you got it right. All of you other kids need to get some capes.
1: It's not until a couple of pages later you figure out that Vidara has sent the Legionnaires into some ultimate dimension or different time or whatever. Nothing yeah, makes sense. Image. We also find out that Universo has been controlling his son with this mm-hmm. uh, shiny metal plate. That's why you shouldn't be using uh, aluminum foil uh, to block out right. the rays, kids.
2: Right. Uh, you use real tin. Tin. real tin. Real yep. tin.
1: But here's the thing. As ridiculous as this story is, mm-hmm. I really like. Batman. I really like the gimmick. No, I really like Batman, but I really like the gimmick. Right? The idea mm-hmm. is Universo is trying to get revenge on, I guess, Metropolis or somebody who knows. So mm-hmm. he steals this in his present. He steals this radioactive egg that's going to explode in a thousand years. Travels back a thousand years into into the past to plant the bomb, so mm-hmm. that in the present that bomb's going to go off at any minute. It's just a, it's a really cool little plot device that that they do. I I kind of dig it. And only Batman uh can save Mission Impossible uh, in that.
2: <laughs> I will say this. Um I really enjoy bits and pieces of this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also feel like it's one of those things that The Brave and the Bold and to a lesser degree um Books like Marvel 2-in-1 and books like Mm -hmm. DC Comics resent Yeah,
1: these team-up stories, yeah.
2: Right. They never feel like they're full-on, not necessarily real, but you know how I talk about how alternate universes don't matter? Mm -hmm. He said, Mm -hmm. Mm air-quoting. It sort of feels like that because this story is really, you know, kind of, you see exactly where it slots into Legion continuity. Yeah. it You know, it makes perfect sense. It comes right after that issue, and then we— jump back into the future, but it also feels like when it's done, nothing really was that big a deal. And it's, it's weird because it's a story about, you know, a giant explosion that's going to wipe out 50% of the Gotham district of Metropolis.
1: Yeah. That's, that's the other funny part, right? Batman shows up. He's like, ah, uh, let's go to Gotham. And they're like, uh, uh Batman, they're, we're in Metropolis. No we kind of absorbed Metropolis kind of absorbed all of the East coast sometimes in the, uh, in the 2022s, I guess. And Batman's we just like, oh, okay. Metropolis. Uh, and also, I don't know if it's in this issue, but I know Brian Michael Bendis in the Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes issue uh, kind of mm-hmm. makes fun of the fact that the Legion all know who Batman is. And Batman's like, yeah, I know you guys know who I am, but not all of my team members do. So I'm just going to keep uh, brooding in this cape and cowl. So there you
2: go. <laughs> well, and you know, uh, that kind of makes sense. You even see him monologuing to himself under his breath about how mm-hmm wait, is this one of my descendants? Am I Batman?
1: Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, they but, do mention that, what is it, the governor of Gotham? Oh, no, wait, <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. Is it in this issue? Because now I really yeah. do have, I really do have the Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes confused. Uh, but, yeah, there's a moment where they're like, yes, the uh, Commissioner uh, uh, Gordon Wayne, and he's like, wait a minute, are these one of my descendants? Yeah. Yep. You married Commissioner Gordon, and this is your son. No, so... Wait. So there, if you, so again, if you want to follow the timeline forward, we know that in Batman Beyond that Mm -hmm. Bruce and Barbara had a thing, right? Mm -hmm. Regardless of what you think of that, uh, really weird, um, Uh, animated remake where Batman and Batgirl are getting it on, but we know (laughs) that in Batman Beyond they've had a relationship. It's never spelled out because at this point, uh, Barbara Gordon is much older. Uh, it's never, she never comes out and says anywhere in this about having a kid, Mm -hmm. but it could be pretty feasible that at some point before she became a, got involved with the police and became the police commissioner of, uh, Gotham 2.0 or whatever Batman beyonds Gotham is called, um, that she could have had a kid. And then those descendants going down the line could very much end up being a Gotham Wayne uh, legacy in the 30th mm-hmm.
2: century. See, my theory is that Barbara married Tim Drake Wayne.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, Tim or, or Dick. son.
2: Uh, no, because Dick was busy. Dick married Starfire, but <laughs> in Tim your imagination, to be okay. Batman too.
1: Yeah. And then their I mean, son that, became that's the most Robin. logical choice. There would be right. no reason why you would ever want any other Robin to take over the role of Batman. If, if Dick is not available, Tim is the only logical choice. Why they keep. Foisting, I think
2: Jason would be fun. He'd be eh. like, hi, I'm Batman. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Fine. That's why That'd I'd be, be good. No, that's, that's in fact, I think they specifically said during that whole, um, under the cowl or battle for the cowl storyline the yeah. that they didn't want Jason to do it. Cause they didn't want to end up with another Asbat situation. Right. Which so, it would be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to the ridiculousness of this story. Literally, yeah. Batman pulls they, an Mission Impossible where he's going down this mine shaft to disarm the bomb and send it off into space moments before it explodes. And then everybody hugs and kisses, and they get the people back from the future. And Ron Vidar is like, "Yep, I'm certainly Ron Vidar. Let me repair this time bubble. See you guys." And then they all. Disappear. I'm a little bothered by one thing. What's that? if
2: Universo expected that bomb to blow up and take out 50 square miles, why is he at ground zero when the Legion arrives to capture him?
1: Maybe he has realized that life doesn't matter anymore because he's lost the love of his son. Mm -hmm. And so he's going out in a big bang.
2: Interesting. This isn't one of the issues where like way, way back in uh, Legion 207, the, uh, Universal is using his alias Argus Orangus the Third mm-hmm. rather than going by uh, Vidar, which is apparently theoretically his real last name. I don't know. I mean, right. he named the kid Vidar. Uh, we named the dog Indiana. But throughout the first part of this story, he uh, Hatchet Face keeps calling him Argus. Mm-hmm. Yes, Argus. And I'm like, you know, I wasn't paying attention. Maybe to the this fact is a Universal, for it. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, oh, who's Argus? And then it's Eclipso turns out to be freaking Eclipso. Yeah, I think he's an
1: Eclipso. Anyway, so the the thing that'll be most interesting is the very last panel is a pretty cool thing inside the Legion headquarters where Cosmic Boy and Batman are flying off into the into the past. Uh, Mm -hmm. It will be interesting to see if, again, I haven't read ahead. It'll be interesting to see if this loops back around where Cosmic Boy and Batman show up in the 1950s. To rescue all the, the trapped legionnaires, or if they must live out a thousand years before they can get back home. Now, keep in mind, as
2: of this point, Superman continuity is 10 years ahead of Superboy. Yeah. So technically, they're trapped in 1971, 10 years uh, earlier than the actual premise of the. Now, there's still, I could have swore like they said something that's
1: like 1950s. Yeah. I think they said 1950s, right? No, nah, in it's that not previous the 1950s. issue,
2: it's 1971.
1: Yeah, I think it was the 1950s. That's when, when they, they were doing all the new tests. The
2: Daring Adventures of Superboy, which uh-huh. is the book that Superboy went off to do when he left the Legion back in 259. Yeah. They explicitly said, okay, Superboy now takes place about 10 years ago mm-hmm. when the 29 year old Superman was 19 or younger. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's the 70s.
1: Which would also Pretty be really weird because. Bell-bottoms. What, what year did uh, Karate Kid travel back to? Wasn't it the 1970s?
2: Uh, Karate Kid traveled back to 1977.
1: So he might run into himself. Oh, we're going to have to find out. he spent
2: six years in the past, yeah.
1: Yeah, we, we may have to find out because we don't know how long uh, they're going to be trapped in the past because, you know, that's how time travel works. You literally cannot uh, arrive a second after you left to fix everything. They're, they're trapped. They're trapped, ladies and gentlemen. Trapped! And we still don't know why Ultra Boy is inside Superboy's mind and body. Ah, uh, if there were only another episode coming out in the near future, thanks to our patrons. Oh. That wraps it up for this installment of the Legion Clubhouse. Matthew, did we actually learn anything this week? We learned that things that happen in the Satira cave stay in the Satira cave. I think we also learned that time travel, man, is it complicated. And we didn't learn what it was, but we still have to ask, what the hell is negative
2: electricity?
1: Thank you so much for joining us on this week's Legion Clubhouse. We will be back again. We got to figure out how this whole Reflecto thing wraps up and how he ended up getting a statue in the Legion Clubhouse. (laughs) We'll find out again in the future. Thanks again. Like I said a moment ago, thanks to all of our fine patrons at patreon.com slash major spoilers, patreon.com slash major spoilers. Go sign up today, become one of our famous and favorite patrons. And uh, until next time, I'm flying high, man.
0: And I'm Arbalist Barlobranks the fourth. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of major spoilers, entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at major I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa.
2: This podcast is copyright twenty twenty-two by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.